Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, Simul Radio and Simul TV. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. Now, for all the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, our website is xzbn.net. And for all the programming on the Exxon TV channel, which is channel 21 on Simul TV, www.simultv.com. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Thomas Fusco. Uh, he is an academic who rebelled against the materialization and materialism of mainstream physics to engineer a bold new model of reality as an independent researcher. He has devoted nearly three decades investigating the relationship between mind, physics, spirituality, parapsychology, scientific anomalies, and paranormal phenomenon to uncover the unifying cosmological framework that has eluded mankind for generations. Joining me now is Thomas Fusco. And uh, Thomas, welcome to the Exxon. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on, man. Hey, it's great having you, partner. Listen, uh, tell us more about yourself and how you, you know, what was it that kind of shook the tree that you decided to go out on your own and say, hey, listen, I'm going to do it my way because I know something is out there, and if you're not going to tell me what it is, I'm going to find out what it is. Yes. Um, you know, back in my late teens, early 20s, mm -hmm. uh, I had a couple of, uh, I guess you would call them parapsychological experiences. I try to stay away from some, you know, buzzwords like psychic mm -hmm. uh, because they have a certain connotation to them. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, these experiences were profound, and they caused me to call into question uh, the model of reality that was taught to be at university. Uh, those standard models did not accommodate these kinds of events, didn't have any explanation for them. So 
not being able to escape the reality of these uh, uh, these experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized there had to be something either missing or something amiss, incorrect in our models of what we think reality is in science. And so what I did was I underwent uh, many years of research uh, to try to uncover that uh, underlying framework that uh, affects reality, that gives us certain experiences and observations, and yet that uh, standard science, at least as of yet, uh, doesn't provide any good explanations for it. Why do you think science or mainstream science isn't as involved in in finding out what lies beyond the curtain, for example? Why don't they really get into the paranormal? Why don't they get into parapsychology, spirituality, and, and everything that a lot of people are talking about today? It seems like science, mainstream science, looks as the, at this as a taboo area. Pretty much, at least today. There was mm-hmm. periods of time where uh, serious researchers in the scientific community uh, delved in this, uh, tried to take a closer examination of it. But I think primarily, uh, rather than being conspir- conspiratorial, mm-hmm. uh, what most people don't realize, Rob, is that science is driven by financing. Uh, very rarely are you going to find a scientist that has deep enough pockets to fund his own research. So we have corporations, we have governments uh, are, who are providing the funding mm-hmm. to do the kind of research that uh, they want. They're looking for specific results. And uh, quite honestly, uh, delving in things that go bump in the night uh, are not good for that. They're not part of the agenda. And they're, uh, in fact, I personally have spoke with uh, uh, a couple of different scientists that were actively involved in, in, the, in that research uh, and in the business end of the community that made me swear that, they, that we had never had that conversation. Uh, for those very reasons, it's easy to get blacklisted. So that's primarily what's going on. You know, with with everybody wanting to learn this knowledge, unfortunately, they have to turn to self-professed experts. And a lot of these experts are leading the people down the garden path towards a dead end or to conclusions that are scary, to say the very least. So... Doesn't the scientific community take a look at this and say, well, listen, as responsible members of the of academia and, and the sciences, it's our obligation to investigate this, take it seriously so that we can help mankind. Like, you know, you've got millions of people who see UFOs. You've got millions of people who have encounters with those on the other side, ghosts, things that go bump in the night, Bigfoot. So why, if all these people are saying, hey, listen, Something is there. Why doesn't science listen? I, it, there's got to be something more to it than the money factor. Um, you know, there, there, there is, but primarily it is driven mm-hmm. uh, by a particular image that, uh, that the scientific community needs to maintain uh, in order to hold its place of prominence and position. 
there are scientists that are researching these types of things, but they're kind of in the background and under mm. the table, so to speak. Um, you know, there, there's a reputation and image that they need to maintain. And that primarily is the, is the purpose of, of the way that they approach it. Now, bear in mind, one of the issues here uh, has to do with, like you said, the self-proclaimed gurus and yeah. the the kind of personalities and 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 uh, characterizations that you deal with in that alternative community. And uh, if I were them, I probably would not be want to be associated with them either. But here you are, an academic who is going against the stream. What is your motivation? Why are you doing what you're doing? Well, my my goal, Rob, was, and again, unlike a lot of the uh, the so-called gurus mm -hmm. that are in that alternative community that also have a personal agenda, uh, mine was simply for the search for truth uh, that I knew from my training that the universe follows given specific sets of laws and principles. We know that now. We've known it for some time. And everything that is an observation in the universe, uh, any type of phenomenon in the universe, must behave according mm -hmm. to the laws and principles that govern the universe within which that event occurs. So for me, the compelling drive was not anything experiential or practitional or personal. It was to try to get out what in the world is going on? What kind of universe do we have that can allow these things to happen? Would it be safe to say that a large part of the question is because of the scientific models and our ignorance to look outside of the box? Well, we're driven, um, uh, the scientific community mm -hmm. is driven by a paradigm, Ron, that, uh, uh, Rob, that, that has existed for a long time. And that is materialism. And simply stated, it means that reality, and we can understand reality as all that there is, is physical. And all that is physical is reality. And nothing lies outside of that. Everything must have a, a physical cause connected to the physical effect. So that the universe must contain all cause and effect. Uh, and physics, literally, quite literally, is the study of those things that are physical. All right, listen, you and I have to take our first break, my friend. Please stand by. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, of course, I'm talking about Thomas Fusco, visit his website, www.cosmicveil.com. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to send an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com or on any social media site, Exxon Radio TV. I'm Rob McConnell. I'll be back after this break. Don't go away.
have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Exonation, our guest this hour is uh, Thomas Fusco, and his website is Cosmic Evil. I'm sorry, CosmicVail.com. That's CosmicVail.com. Thomas, why don't, we, why don't we take a look at the beginning, and, and what is your definition that constitutes the world paranormal? Well, one of the uh, first things I had to uh, come to grips with in my mm-hmm. research was that we needed uh, a term or a definition for paranormal that was scientifically meaningful. Because this was one of the greatest challenges, is try to take these alternative ideas and frame them and express them in a way that is scientifically meaningful. And ultimately what I came about was the realization that rather than being a, the paranormal being a catch-all for anything weird or bizarre, The primary form that what we call paranormal phenomena takes is that we have a physical effect with no local physical cause. Uh, So, for example, if somebody uh, on a paranormal investigation, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, might see a shadowy figure walking through the room and realizes it's one of the other investigators, that's normal because we have a body a physical body that is causing the effect that we can observe as reflected light or absorbed light. So we have a physical cause and a physical effect. Uh, But what makes it paranormal is that if we see the shadowy figure and there is no physical body as the cause, there's no locally connected cause for the effect that we're observing. The effect itself is normal. Everything that we're experiencing and seeing, we're seeing those things in an expression of normal physics. But what we have is what we would call non-local causality, or for short, in the scientific realm, we call it non-locality. And this is what makes an event paranormal. Uh, We have an effect, a physical effect, Mm -hmm. with no local physical cause connected to it. Let me ask you this question then. Based on your research and your academic um, accomplishments, are ghosts real? Is the paranormal something that is quote-unquote paranormal, or is it just a realm that we have not been able to establish and define yet? Well, when we talk about what's real, we have to take a look at experiences. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons why uh, mainstream science kind of shies away from these type of questions because it really kind of paints them in a corner. Uh, For example, 
back in the 1800s when uh, the scientific community uh, pretty much dismissed the reports coming from the peasants on the countryside of rocks falling from the sky. Uh, they, they said there's no rocks in the sky, so there's no such thing as a meteor or a meteorite. All we have to do is experience one. If, if in the entire history of human existence, if we observe one rock that falls from the sky, mm-hmm. then that's real. So when we talk about our ghosts real, we're talking about reports of specters and ghosts and apparitions dating back really even to biblical times and before. So a scientist to completely dismiss it and be true to the scientific method would have to be able to disprove every single experience or event. So what we are left with uh, is the need to come up with a scientific theory a scientifically meaningful model in which these type of strange phenomena can fit in and live in coexistence with other physical normal observations. Uh, Then we have a starting point, and that's what supergeometric theory, uh, the theory of supergeometry in my work does. Uh, It gives us a place where the supernatural is no longer some weird, ambiguous, hazy, nebulous thing. Uh, but it actually has a hard uh, presence in the model of reality uh, that also lends us insights into scientific anomalies that we yet have not found answers for in normal science. All right, so let me ask you this. How did you come up with this um, supergeometry? And how has it been? How has it been proven to be everything you claim it to be? Has it been reviewed by your peers? I haven't written a scientific paper on it now. So is uh, it safe to say that right now it's just a theory, a hypothesis? Well, yes, yes, it is a theory, but it's but a theory is a tricky thing, Rob. When we talk about that word, commonly mm-hmm. uh, in the common language, the word theory is thrown around quite willy nilly. Uh, In a scientific community, there's quite a distinction between theory and speculation and hypothesis. Uh, A theory is something that, first of all, it answers all the observations in the category of phenomena that it's trying to address. And it answers all the questions posed to it in a meaningful, consistent way without having to make exceptions to its own rules. In other words, it's inclusionistic. And uh, supergeometry is the first theory uh, of the supernatural that actually is able to pass that particular uh, theoretical or mental test. How does it do that? How, How would you be able to use your theorem to prove that, let's say, ghosts are real? How can you do this using geometry? Well, with geometry, the idea is that geometry is physical geometry. The idea of supergeometry is a superstructure over that. Mm -hmm. Give me an example. Uh, Well, uh, let's see. Here's one that people talk about all the time, quantum physics. 
and we talk about the quantum world and mm -hmm. how strange it is compared to the macro world. Okay. And the macro world is best defined by uh, Einsteinian relativity. And the micro world is best defined by uh, what we call, we used to call quantum mechanics. And now it's more, uh, more quantum field theory. The problem is, is that these are different sets of rules. And that the one realm does not behave according to the rules in the other realm and vice versa. I'm sure you've had tons of conversations about this. I have, this. yes. I and, have. Uh, yeah, and the audience has heard it a thousand times. Mm -hmm. And we have not been able to reconcile these things. But the problem is, is that in the physical paradigm, in the materialistic paradigm of established physics, we have what I call a two-state reality. Okay. We have the quantum state, and we have the relativistic state, the micro and the macro. And these two seem to oppose one another, and we need two different principles or sets of principles in order to define physical reality. What supergeometric theory says is that there is more to reality than what is physical. Now, that's been said for thousands of years by religious sages and, and philosophers and, and all that, but it's never been given uh, a crystallized form. So let's say in super ge uh, geometric theory, what we're talking about is three states of reality. And what that third state is, is what we might call super physical or super geometric, a super set of physical geometry. And furthermore, we get the understanding based on the concept of information, if we have time, we'll go into that, that the physical universe actually emerges from the super physical, just like it did at the beginning of time. In other words, one of the aspects of my theory is that paranormal phenomena functions in the exact same mechanics as what brought the universe into existence, the Big Bang. We're, we're talking about miniature Big Bangs that go on. Anyway, there was something before the physical uh, in, the, uh, in the Big Bang. Now, if we consider that the Big Bang is still going on, that the physical universe is still emerging from the quantum singularity of the Big mm -hmm. Bang, okay. now we have three states of reality. So if the physical reality is the culmination the final full materialization of what is happening in the super geometric, which is not material. Now we can finally place quantum physics in a continuous model from the super geometric to the quantum to the relativistic geometric. Suddenly the veil lifts and we can see that the strangeness, the strangeness of the quantum world is the result of looking at a state which is in the process of materializing in the full physical reality. Suddenly all the strange things about quantum physics suddenly become clear why something uh, can behave both as a particle and a wave because it's in the process of materializing as one or the other. Stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Thomas Fusco was our guest. 
And his website is CosmicVail.com. And we'll both be back on the other side as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thomas Fusco is our special guest this hour, Exonation, CosmicVail.com. All right, Thomas, I, I, I kind of think I know what you're getting at. But when it comes to solving or proving, how does, once again, how does the geometry, the super geometry, actually prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that ghosts are real? UFOs are real, Bigfoot is real, the paranormal that we hear of all the time and that I've heard of over the last 29 years doing this show. <laughs> yeah. How do we know it's real? <clears throat> well, we first have to take the evidence of human experience. In fact, one of the things that Einstein said it was interesting. Mm-hmm. If you read Einstein's writings, you find lots of things that are very, very interesting about his thinking. He said that the final test of any theory is human experience. That's a pretty profound statement. Uh, It is, but how do we know that the human is actually having this said experience instead of something being a misinterpretation of what is being perceived to be real? Well, we have enough instances, I believe, uh, enough evidence that we have human beings experiencing something, making an observation, Mm -hmm. and then being confirmed by instrumentation that is recording and measuring it. Such as? Well, uh, for example, if if someone says they've seen something like an apparition, and they have cameras that are recording the very same thing that they're seeing, Mm -hmm. that goes beyond human experience. There's some validation there. So we could debate back and forth whether that evidence is, is, is real or not. But the preponderance of it forces any reasonable, objective person to have to take it into consideration. We, we have some very paranormal things that go on in standard physics that are called anomalies that we just know are, but have no explanation for what they are. 
and, and why they behave the way they do. All right, is it possible that the science that we have today, the physics we have today, the mathematics that we have today, is not the is not everything that is to be known yet. And instead of trying to fit whatever it is into a box that people can say this is what it is, wouldn't it be better to look and see exactly what we're missing from the equation and learn that part of the equation? What happens if we find out 15, 20 years from now that Einstein was wrong? Well... That's a completely different question altogether. But it's all uh, interrelated. They've been trying to do that for over 100 years, and, they, and every time they try it, mm-hmm. they come up with a reinforcement, uh, a validation of Einstein. Uh, Einstein so far was right on, and his theory, although cannot be elevated to law, right. has worked in every perspective. Uh, we shoot our satellites out into orbit we shoot them to other planets and probes mm-hmm. to the reaches of the, the ends of the solar system using einsteinian relativity uh, we know it works so the question then becomes uh, what are we going to do first of all are we going to accept observable data are we going to accept observable evidence that's the first question Next question is finding a theoretical model that it fits in. And this, I think, Rob, is what is revolutionary, most revolutionary about my work from a scientific perspective. I'll give you an example. Uh, For many centuries, thousands of years, we have known what earthquakes are. We have known what volcanoes are. We could tell you the physical manifestations and the observations Uh, down to very fine detail about what happens in earthquakes and what happens with a volcano. But we never really understood what caused them. We just had all this raw data, just like in the paranormal. We have, you know, people doing investigations and piling and piling all this data on top of each But here you've got, I hate to interrupt you here, but when you talk about the people who are collecting data, they're amateurs. They wouldn't know evidence if it smacked them square in the eyes. They're not experts. Well, they're not scientists. They're not researchers. They're they're hobbyists. Hobbyists yes. who really don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, but that's okay. I mean, a hobbyist can stick their their finger in a flame and burn their finger. Yes, but they're not trying to change the world, and this is exactly what these people are trying to do. They're trying yeah. to prove that everyone is wrong and they are right, and I admire them for that. However they have no idea of what they're doing. So how can we take anything that they collect and put it in a pile that is research or data? Well, there's a, there's a difference between observation and conclusions drawn from that observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, give you one that's very prevalent in the news for a number of years, dark matter. Mm-hmm. We have an observation that now that we understand gravitational effect well enough and we have observational instruments that can see far enough out and accurately enough out into the universe, we've discovered that according to the conventional model of gravity, we're missing almost 90% of the mass that would be required to run the universe the way it behaves if we follow the existing paradigm that mass generates gravity. Okay. 
So that's an observation. That's a hard observation. So would you right say now I'm the sorry. Pre prevalent model mm -hmm. is that we have this imaginary substance called dark matter? It, it, it's really very fantasy. Uh, it, it's imaginary. They talk about it like it's real, mm -hmm. but there's not a stitch of evidence that such a thing exists. So observation and conclusions drawn from observations are two different things. It's one thing to see something that sounds like it might be dead Aunt Mary. It's another thing to be trying to prove it's dead Aunt Mary. Okay, so... so I don't know if that addresses your question or not. I think it does in part. It does in part. But when I look at the big picture, man, it's you, you've got all these thousands, and I'm talking th like we, there are over 37,000 groups of so-called <laughs> paranormal research teams that go out each and every night. They don't share the information because everyone wants to have the smoking gun. And sure. when you talk to them, they have no idea on what evidence is. Now, I'm an ex-cop. I dealt with criminal police investigations. Mm -hmm. I was trained by the best of the best to collect evidence, to understand evidence, to follow the evidence. Mm -hmm. And when I see these people going out there calling themselves investigators or researchers or ghost hunters... It's amazing to me that anyone who has an IQ of greater than a gnat would ever take these people seriously. Well, I think that, uh, again, we're mixing a little bit of apples and oranges. From a scientific perspective, mm -hmm. what we're looking for is observations. And what we're looking for specifically here are anomalous observations, which are observations that do not fit in the known theoretical models that we have of the universe. We have a number of them in science as mm -hmm. well. Now, as far as all these investigative teams running out and doing all these things, I pose a question. <clears throat> Do you think in probability, because in science we have to speak about probabilities. Right. Do you think it is more probable or less probable that in the entire history of humanity, that someone has ever heard a genuine disembodied voice or seen a genuine apparition. Do you think that's more probable or less probable that it happened? Based in on the entire mm -hmm. history of humanity. Based on based on my personal experience over doing this show, talking to people, I think it's improbable. Okay. That's based on the data that I have collected, speaking to the people who have claimed to have had the experience, but under questioning, their stories fall apart. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the biggest problems that we have today is the ability to, to, to share this lack of credible information with other people who are so for some reason, want to believe that this is possible, that mm -hmm. they gobble it up. Well, you've, 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 you've done a bait and switch. You've changed the parameters of the question. I talked about the entire history of humanity. Yeah, and I, uh, no, I don't think and that... And you spoke no. about what is present, what you're, these investigators that you're talking about Wait a today. second, hold on here, hold on here, hold on here.
I didn't bait and switch. Number one, I, I said unequivocally that I do not believe that throughout the entire history of history that anyone has heard a disembodied voice. That is my belief. Okay. They, and my belief is what I believe to be um, to be supported by are the 29 years I've been doing this show, the over 4,500 people that I've spoken to, and the lack of any credible evidence whatsoever. So if we cannot, in this day and age of highly technological equipment, gather such evidence, I don't see how it can be done in the past. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal. Single item at regular price. Explanation. Thomas Fusco is our special guest. His website is CosmicVale.com. Let me ask you that question. As a scientist, do you think that it's possible that somebody in the past has actually heard a disembodied voice? Oh, I absolutely do. Why? I mean, even if we look at the Bible... Mm-hmm. There are references to specters, to ghosts. Yes, there's also and, uh, there's also references to Santa Claus every December the twenty fifth, the Easter well, Bunny. You know, and we can go on and on with with myth well, I know, and but you're, again, you're you're trying to uh, uh, scramble this here a little bit. Oh, I don't. We think have so. a specific question. We're not talking about Santa Claus. No, but what's the difference? Well, we're talking about reports of paranormal phenomena the kind that we would recognize today, going back a very long time. Mm -hmm. That's a very big smoking gun. Oh, how do you think? No one has reported that they ever actually saw Santa Claus in his sleigh Uh flying through the air with reindeer. Okay, so how can you say going back in the past based on early writings that this is a smoking gun? That makes no sense. Well, it does because there's a consistent evidence of people reporting such things. That's hearsay evidence. But still, at the time, like say in the Mm mid-1800s, the French Academy of Science did the exact same thing that you're saying now. There cannot be any rocks falling from the sky because there are no rocks in the sky. 
Oh, I, so I think they that... completely dismissed any kind of anecdotal evidence or reports being nonsense because rocks can't simply be in the sky. Well, having been to Hawaii a number of times and 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 other areas where volcanic activity is going on, I know for a fact that rocks do fall from the sky after a volcanic eruption. Sure, but we're talking about the, the 19th century French Academy of Science mm -hmm. on the French countryside. We're, we're not talking about volcanoes in Hawaii. You seem to want to mix things up like that, you yeah. know. I, uh, I, I, I want because, proof. I because want... my, because my, uh, my cousin had a failed marriage, that mm -hmm. means all marriages must be bad. Well, I'm not saying that at all, but it kind of seems to be put in the same category as the people in the past who, who claim to have seen specters gives a smoking gun to the reality of the paranormal. I, it, to me, it's the same thing. Well, no, you're, you're jumping the gun here. <clears throat> what I'm talking about is that we have sufficient cause to look at this mm -hmm. as possible evidence. Okay. I mean, for example, uh, you know, uh, astrophysics uh, talks about the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. And we gather more and more evidence all the time that seems to confirm the theory of the Big Bang, that the universe emerged from a non-physical quantum singularity. But nobody could prove that. And yet our observations tend to point in that direction. So what we do is we formulate theories based on that observation and when, then we test them. Okay, so how could we use the testing of the theory that specters are real to prove they are? Well, the first thing we have to do is to demonstrate mm -hmm. that information can materialize in physical reality. The source of the information, which is non-local. See, there's, there's, there's evidence that we already have theoretically mm -hmm. and in observation that in the macro world is very paranormal. Uh, for example, let me ask you a question. Sure. Has anybody ever observed a graviton? I have no idea. You don't? No. Because no one has. Has anyone ever observed a, not a gravitational wave, mm -hmm. but a gravity wave? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. So that is out of my realm of expertise. Yes. And, and since you're not an experience of the paranormal, an oh. experience of the paranormal, no, but that I, may be out of your realm of expertise either. But The point I'm trying to make is this, and I'm not here to argue with you. Well, that's good. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm trying to state my position. Okay. And uh, the position is this, mm -hmm. is that we know that the universe exists. We know it exists. Mm -hmm. And we know it came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. We furthermore know that the universe materialized in a state of order. It did not materialize in a state of disorder where we had all these, you know, primordial elements trying to uh, fit together and fall apart until, you know, they assembled into the first neutrino. Mm -hmm. And then all the other neutrinos were born after that. But, Everywhere in the universe, early u the universe, neutrinos materialized during the exact same time, according to the exact same pattern. And, and this has what to do with the paranormal? Well, what it is, is this, 
is that we had a materialization of information that was non-physical. Where? And it materialized into the physical. The quantum singularity had to contain the information from which the geometry of the universe arose. The first thing that arose in the Big Bang mm -hmm. was a field of space-time. Space-time is a substantive field that has a geometry. Space-time did not establish its own order. Its order was established at the very beginning of the universe, and that means that the information, which is a subject I mentioned earlier, without the concept of information, you are absolutely blind in any of this, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. The information from which those primordial particles and the actual fabric of space-time was designed after, materialized from, existed in that non-physical quantum singularity. Okay. And then it opened up and materialized. Therefore, the entire universe is an example, based on our best understanding, of a paranormal event. A materialization of a physical effect without a local physical cause. So the whole universe is paranormal. Okay. When we talk about gravity, you learned in a, as a child, uh, you know, in school, mm -hmm. that the moon is held to the earth by gravity. What they didn't tell you is that it's not, there's no physical connection. In other words, gravity is not a force like the other forces that are conveyed by particles and waves. There is no such thing as a gravity wave or a graviton. To the best of our research, to the nth degree, and they've been trying for a long time to find it, it just doesn't exist. So there is nothing physical connecting the Earth to the moon. It's what Einstein called spooky action at a distance. These are the kind of things that the common person are just not, they're simply not familiar with. So consequently, we have a paranormal event. Gravity is paranormal. Because it's an effect with no local physical cause connecting the one body to the other body. And so we have examples. We have entangled photons, mm -hmm. entangled particles that at great distances from one another, the state of particle A in the pair, in the entangled pair, if it's changed, then particle B instantaneously at infinite velocity changes to maintain the balance between the correlated pair. And those particles can be separated by light years. All right, so tell me in plain English, because I'm sure our listeners are saying, what the hell is he talking about? In plain, yes, in plain English. If you, if in you plain... wanted somebody to sit here and talk about plain English, you could have invited another guest on the show. Well, I'd, you're right, I could have. Yes. But, but I'm plain... here to talk about science, and well, that's not what you hear too often from these people. Well, yeah, but, you know, you could be baffling us with words that, and, and meanings that actually mean nothing. Our listeners don't, you know, there's an old, there's an old Irish saying, bullshit baffles brains. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here, and I've talked to astronauts, physicists, scientists mm -hmm. before, who I can mm -hmm. understand what the hell they were talking about, but I, I'm having a problem understanding what you're trying to say and what you're trying to get across. 
Yes, because you invited someone who has a theory <clears throat> about a new paradigm of uh -huh. reality. It's just like I was talking about earlier, and you... Oh, enough of his babble, babble, babble. You know, his problem is he is too big for his own britches. His arrogance is why nobody really believes or will understand what he says. Bullshit baffles brains. And I think this is the perfect example. He brings in a lot of different things, but when it comes to answering a direct question or in a manner that our listeners would understand, he's out to lunch. He is totally out to lunch. Man alive, I thought the paranormal people, some of them were out to lunch, but this is a scientist, if anything. And, uh, you know, his claim to fame is coast to coast. Well, good for you. Most of the people who listen to coast to coast are fast asleep in the first five minutes. We'll be back on the other side of this uh, commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I would like to say one thing. Art Bell was coast to coast. After Art Bell, there was never, ever a coast to coast. We'll be back, don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. 